when you came in, you had a piece of paper and a pen in your in your chair, and you might want to get, well keep this handy because we're going to use this toward the end of the service, and so and some of you already maybe filled it in, um, and that, that that's fine if you have, but it may change, and you can like write extra or there's probably a couple extra around you. You can just get up and fill extra cards out. Anyway, um, hold on to that. I want to start out tonight by saying um, several several months ago, I was in the gym. And it was one of those days where I was just feeling good. And if you if you gone to the gym or ran or done stuff like that, you know that there's some days you feel it and there's some days you don't feel it. And then on this particular day, I was feeling I was feeling good, which for me it doesn't mean a lot because I, I don't. I mean, I try to lift weights and I don't lift as much as Philip does. Philip's way stronger than me. I can outrun him, but he's way stronger than me. And so I was in the gym this day and and I felt like you know what I think I can do a little more than I'm used to doing. So I had about 250 pounds on the, on the bench, and I was like, you know, I'm going to do, or I put 250 on, and I was like, I think I can do it, which was problem number one. I think I can do it three times. And I didn't ask for a spotter. I didn't have anybody with me. I work out by myself, and I got my beats in, so I can't hear. So if you ever wave at me in the gym and I don't wave back, I'm not ignoring you. I just can't hear you. So I, I was listening to Eminem, Until um, I Collapse, which is an awesome workout song. And I've had people, let me pause, I've had people go, Pastor Pete, I would love to know your workout playlist. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. There's not any, there's not any Christian music. By the way, just a little side note, Jesus did not die to save music. He died to save people. Thank you very much. So anyway, I'm listening to Till I Collapse, and I'm lifting weights, and, and I, I'm going to be honest with you. I got 250 off the bar, which, which was good, and then I came down, I touched my chest, and I went up with one. I'm real strict with form. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind, I'm not making excuses. Well, I am kind of. Keep in mind, my arms are long. See how long my arm is? So when I'm doing bench press, I got a buddy of mine. He's built like a bulldog, and he can bench press like 400 pounds, but he's only got to go that far. He's like, choo, and I'm like, so like for me to come down and touch my chest and go back up, that's a commitment. And so I, I come down, and I go one, and I felt good about it. I'm feeling good. And I come down, number two, and I go back up. And, and at the end, it was a little bit of a struggle, but it wasn't a bad struggle. I felt okay about it. Number th- on number three, number three. I touched my chest and I was on my way back up and on my way back up, my chest muscles said, we're done. And it, so I'm stuck on the bench. A lot of people in the gym with 250 pounds on my chest. Now I had a couple options. Option number one is I could pretend nothing was wrong and just lay there. And somebody, hey man, you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. This is a, this is a new exercise. It's called turn purple. And, um, and, and when you turn purple, your muscles get bigger. And so I'm just waiting to turn purple. I could, I could just lay there. I could have prayed. Um, it would have helped. I don't think, I don't know, maybe, maybe like God would have sent an angel to help me, but probably not because of my stupidity. Or I could have done what a normal person would have done in any situation, and that would have been asked for help. Exactly. So I was just like, little help, little help. I, and Because at that point, I didn't need somebody to pray for me. I didn't need somebody to come up and go, brother, I can see you're going through a time of affliction, and so I'm going to pray for it. I I, I didn't need that. I didn't need somebody to write down on a scripture card, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I had this verse in mind. Thank you. I didn't need any of that. You know what I needed? I needed somebody to move from where they were and come over and get 250 pounds off my chest. Fortunately, there was a humongous dude. And when I say humongous, I'm not talking about like, I I mean, his muscles were just huge. And he walks over, he grabs it with one hand. He's like, Might want to get a spotter. I was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, yeah I just, it's the best idea I've ever heard. Um, but I've never forgotten that because I was stuck. 
you could almost say I was in a storm. I thought I could handle it. I thought I was going to be okay, but then I got stuck. And it just reminded me of situations that I've been in, and I'm sure situations that you've been in in life, where you are going through something, and maybe you thought you could handle it, but at some point, it got to be too much. In fact, you would, you would classify what you went through or maybe what you're going through as a storm. And in this storm, in this season right now that you're in, like you appreciate people praying for you and you appreciate somebody handing you a Bible verse. But at the end of the day, if you had a choice, you would say, I need Jesus to move. I need him to move in my life. I need him to move in this situation because if he doesn't move, I don't see how I'm going to get out of this or I don't see how I'm going to get through this. All of us have been in or we're currently in a situation like that. So that's where we're really going to go this evening is we're going to talk about the area that we need for Jesus to move the most in our life in. Because yes, we're talking about our church and our church making a move. And it's awesome that our church is going to make a move and see great things. But at the end of the day, I want our church to be known as a place where Jesus moves in the life of people. Because if we move as a church, but Jesus isn't moving in our lives, then that, that's, that's a tragedy. And I don't want that. I want for this to be a place where you show up and you know that Jesus is going to move in your life. Now, in order to really kind of dive into this, we're going to look at a story that if you've been in church world for any amount of time, you've heard some form of this story. But here's the thing I love about the Bible. You can read the Bible over and over and over again, and you can read through it in one season and then read through it in another season and get something completely different out of it. The reason I'm saying that is because the story I'm about to teach on, I've been in ministry since 1990, longer than some of you have even been alive. And I've taught on this story so many times, but some of the things I'm going to teach in this story, I've never taught them before because I've never seen them before, but they've always been there. That's what's so cool. Mark who wrote one of the Gospels, who interviewed Peter, who was like Jesus' right-hand guy. That's where Mark got all of his information. Mark tells us this story in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. He starts out and he says this, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. Now, that verse, just that verse alone, is loaded. And let me show you why. Let me show you why. As evening came, I don't know about you, but tomorrow morning I'll get up. I usually get up between somewhere between four and five every morning. I just wake up without an alarm clock. I'm just that guy. I don't have to have an alarm. I just wake up. And um, and some of y'all are like, oh my God, that's super early. Yet, but I'm in bed at like seven. So so like right when I leave the service, I'll go home and go to bed. So I'll get up and I'll I'll get some work done. I'll work and I'll take Chance on a couple walks. Chance is my dog. I'll take him on a couple walks and I'll I'll go to lunch. I'll do some work tomorrow afternoon. But when evening comes, like if you're like me, when evening comes, I'm looking forward to going home and relaxing. Now, all of us, if you if you work a day job, now some people work second shift or third shift, but if you work a day job, when evening comes, you you look forward to going home and relaxing. Am I correct? Yes. And different people do different things. Right? Some people love to go home and um, do yard work. That's relaxing for you. Hell for me, but, it, but it's relaxing for you. So, some like to maybe go hit some golf balls. Um, I've talked to um, lots of ladies that like, I just want a bath. I just want a bath. I just want candles and a bath. And you're putting your kids to bed at like 545. And they're like, well, I got to go to bed because I'm the mama. That's why. You get in bed. I'm taking a bath. 
We do, I binge Netflix. That's what I do. I'm all over some Netflix. I, I binge and I'm that guy. And if you, if you got a good show recommendation, you can just let me know because I'm always looking. All right. By the way, no UFO conspiracies. I'm not there, but I, I binge on Netflix. All of us though, if you have a day job, you want to relax in the evening. Am I correct? Yes. Okay. Two people. Yes. Everybody else stay with me. So, so the disciples and Jesus had been with people all day long. Now, I'm going to tell you something about people that you might not know. People will drain you. Is anybody in any sort of customer service industry, in anybody? Yeah. At the end of the day, you, you just don't want to go. You just want to go home and not talk. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just, I just, because people will drain you. Now think about Jesus. Everywhere, everywhere he went, people were trying to touch him. They just wanted to touch him because they would get healed. And so, and the disciples are always kind of fighting off the crowds and trying to get Jesus where he needed to go. So at the end of the day, do you think they were tired? Yes. So, so as evening came, Peter and Thomas and James and John are talking about, man, we're going to get relaxed. We're going to lay in the hammock. We're going to put on some Hulu. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And, and Jesus comes up with this brilliant idea. Hey, guys, this evening, let's go to work. And they're like, we, we, like, we've been working all day, boss. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 Let, let's, it's time to do something. And what he was getting ready to do was so significant. Let, let's keep reading. He said, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples. Now, here's what's funny about the disciples. Today, in many, um, in many denominations, we call the disciples things like St. John. Saint Peter, Saint Matthew, Saint Mark. But I want to assure you, as we read about their lives, if we were to bring them back and bring them on stage this evening, they would tell us, don't call us saints. We're lots of things, but we are not saints. I don't, have you ever met a saint? Have you, are you sitting next to a saint? No, okay, somebody, somebody, no, no, no. Okay, I got it, all right. So when Jesus said to his disciples, now, what we do is we take that word disciple and, and we've elevated it to somebody who's involved in a lot of spiritual activity. So the more spiritual activity you participate in, the more godly and the, and the more of a disciple you are. Because I've talked to people about, hey, so-and-so received Christ. Yes, but are they being discipled? What does that mean? Like, really, what does that mean? The, the more spiritually active, it doesn't, activity doesn't always relate to intimacy. Oh, wow, I didn't say that this morning. That was good. Activity doesn't always relate to intimacy. Because listen, the most spiritually active people in the days of Jesus were actually the people that killed him. Just a thought. Just one of th I'm not saying don't read your Bible. I'm just saying keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. And I'm also saying that there are people in this room that when it comes to being a follower of Christ, you've always put yourself in the category of less than. I'm not good enough. I, that person's godlier than me. That person's better than me. I don't have faith and I'm not strong and I lose my temper. And you've always felt like you're less than. But did you know, did you know that you are just as godly as these guys right here? Obviously not. Nobody said amen. That's fine. That's fine. I want to prove it to you. I want to prove it to you. Um, have you ever felt guilty 
in, in your life that you just didn't have enough faith. Like, for example, you needed to see God do something here. And, and there's a track record of God always getting it right. And even though you can look back on God's faithfulness, you look forward and you still are not sure if God's going to be able to pull this off. Anybody ever struggle with that or feel guilty with that besides me? Yeah, yeah. You would think that the men closest to Jesus never had a problem with that. But in Luke chapter 17, they come to Jesus and they say something really interesting to him. They said, show us how to increase our faith. Now, on the surface, that's a great prayer. In fact, I pray that often for me. But looking at these guys, you're like, really, guys? You've seen Jesus heal a leper. You see him cure blindness. You saw him in a few chapters back raise somebody from the dead. I'm just going to go ahead and push the pause button. If I see somebody raise somebody from the dead, that's my guy right there. I, I'm good. I don't, I don't need to see anything else. So they've seen him do all these awesome things, but they're still going, we, we're, we're just not sure we have faith. So if you're here tonight and you've ever wrestled with faith or you're wrestling with faith right now, it doesn't mean you're evil or wicked. It means you're human. That's what it means. Or this. How many of you deal with, like, road rage? Anybody? Anybody road rage? A few honest people. Come on, this is second chance. Oh, oh y'all are pointing at each other. Okay, that's good. That's good. Sometimes we lose our temper. I lose my temper sometimes. Every once in a while, once a year, about once a year. Um, I lose my temper sometimes, and, and you lose your temper sometimes, and you say stuff you don't mean, and... And then, and then you'll run into that person and go, oh, man, if you were godly, if you love Jesus, you wouldn't lose your temper. Really? There, there's, a, um, there's a verse in the Bible that's always kind of made me laugh and made me sad at the same time. Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem, and they stop into this Samaritan village. And the Samaritan village basically tells Jesus, we don't want you here. So they kick him out. They kick Jesus out. And, and the disciples get really PO'd about the whole thing. And St. James and St. John come up with a brilliant idea on how to handle the situation. This is what they said. Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? Excuse me, St. James, St. John. <laughs> this was their idea. Okay, okay, we talked about it. We got an idea. We're, ki we're killing everybody. Like we're literally going to smoke them. We're going to smoke these Samaritans right here. And... Jesus, of course, tells them, no, but, but this shows you that. Now, now, this is, let me pause. Don't write this verse down and use it as justification for road rage, okay? I, that's not what this is for. That's to say they struggle with the same things that we struggle with too. Or this verse. Now, the first time I really saw this verse, I couldn't, I couldn't really wrap my mind around it. Because Matthew, Matthew writes the first gospel. He does this thing called the Great Commission where Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the good news to all creation. And then everybody's like, yeah, but, but there's a verse that comes right before it that bothers me. And it bothers me, number one, because I've never heard anybody teach on it. And number two, it bothers me because it's in the Bible. Because Jesus had just risen from the dead. They, they saw him murdered. Then they saw him show up three days later and eat fish with them, okay? And he was alive for like 40 days and hung out with them. And Matthew said this in Matthew 28, verse 17. When they saw him, they worshiped him. 
but some of them doubted. You ever seen that? All these people worshiping Jesus. He's alive, risen from the dead. And there's a few going, man, I don't know. I, don't, I, I watched this documentary one time on Amazon Prime, and I, I, saw, I saw something like this, and I'm not sure if he really pulled this off. And the reason I'm, the reason I'm bringing this up is because there's some people here tonight. On one hand, you love Jesus. And then on the other hand, sometimes you doubt if he's even real. Doesn't mean you're bad. It means you're human. And the disciples wrestled with very same thing. And the reason I bring all that up is to just let everybody know in the room, you're not less than anything or anybody. You are someone who Jesus died for, and that makes you incredibly valuable in the eyes of God, period. Now, <laughs> so let's keep going. Jesus said to his disciples, this group of just really godly people, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Now, at first glance, that's, a, that's an easy ask. Like if we're on Lake Hartwell and you go to the other side of the lake, you know, you, the other side of the lake, you can see it right over there. I've been to the place where this happened in Israel, and I didn't really notice it until our God was teaching. I think it was my second or third trip. My God was teaching through this. The Sea of Galilee sits down in almost like a bowl and is surrounded by mountains all the way around. It's one of the most beautiful places on the earth. And when Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the lake, it wasn't a geographical statement. It was a theological statement. Because he was saying, let's go over to the other side of the lake because the Jews lived here and the Gentiles lived there. And if you'll remember last week, we talked about Jews stayed with Jews and Gentiles stayed with Gentiles. And Jewish people didn't go to where Gentile people were because Jewish people looked down on Gentile people because they were hopeless, they were ungodly, they were pagans, they were those people. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, let's go reach the people that no one else is willing to go and reach. And it got crazier. He didn't tell them the full story. We talked about this last week where Jesus always tells us our next step, but he won't tell us two, three, or four steps down the road because if he did, we might not do it. Because if Jesus would have laid out the whole thing, he would have said this, all right, guys, we're going to get in a boat, we'll go across the lake. When we land, we're actually going to land in a graveyard, which I'm out right there. I don't like graveyards, I don't like dead things, dead people, movies about dead people, dead things, nothing. Our host on the other side is demon-possessed. He runs around buck naked and he screams at everybody. Anybody in? Anybody in? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to bounce. Everything you've done has been great, but I'm not going to see naked demon-possessed guy. I'm not, I'm not in. I'm not in. But <laughs> so he doesn't tell them that, but that's where they're going. Now, think about this guy on the other side of the lake. And, and we, read about our, we read about him in Mark chapter 5. He was abandoned. He was alone. He was hopeless, and the Bible said at night he would run around in the grave, graveyard screaming, desperate, crying out for help. Now, once again, the way the Sea of Galilee sits is surrounded by mountains. The sound would bounce off of things. Can you just see Jesus sitting here hearing this man who's desperate and hopeless screaming out, crying out for someone, anybody? And Jesus said, I'm going to him. 
I'm going to the abandoned. I'm going to the forgotten. I'm going to go to the person that everyone else has given up on. Now, you put all this together. I love it because as evening came, that's when it's time to relax. You know, as a church, we could relax. We really could. We got four services. We we're in this building. We we had over a thousand people show up today. We've I mean we've kind of arrived or whatever. But you know what? This is just the beginning. We've got people to reach that nobody else is reaching. There are hopeless people. There are people out there that are abandoned and are forgotten and are alone. Instead of relaxing at the evening came, let's let's all of us, even those of us who feel less than, who feel jacked up, messed up broken down, busted up, let's all of us be willing to say, you know what, Jesus, if you want to go to the other side of the lake, if you want to reach the people that no one else is reaching, let's do it. Like the great theologian Tone Loke said one time, wild thing. All right, so so that's where we are so far. Sorry, 80s flashback. Now, here's what's crazy. Jesus issued the invitation to go to the other side of the lake. Verse 36, so they took Jesus in the boat, which is good. Which is good. Somebody told me the other day, Pastor Pete, you need a boat. I had a boat. I did. I had a boat one time. There are two awesome days for people that get boats. Number one, first awesome day is when you get it. The second awesome day is when you sell it. Amen. That's right. That's right. The best thing about boats is other people have them. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon, but soon, a What's this word say on three? One, two, three? Fierce. Fierce storm. Not just a storm, mind you. It wasn't just a storm. It was a fierce storm. Mark, who is the least detailed gospel writer of all the gospel writers, wants us to know it was a fierce storm. It was a fierce storm, came up. High waves were breaking into the boat. And it began to fill with water. And the disciples' pants began to fill with, you know what I'm saying, like it, it, it was scary. Now, this right here, I want, I want to just focus for just a second because it kind of flies in the face of what, if you grew up in church world, we've been taught. And, and it's kind of like this. Good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. And if you're going through something bad, there must be some secret hidden sin in your life. You ever heard that one? Like somebody's going through hell, and somebody goes, oh, it must be, must be some sin. I mean, they seem, well, it's, it's probably that secret sin. You know, everybody's got that secret sin. They've got that closet. They don't tell anybody. they got that secret sin. Secret sin. Shh. I, I spent some time on Google this week. I love Google because um, you can find all sorts of information. <laughs> some of it's true. Um, but I Googled stupid things Christians say. And um, lots of results, by the way, pages. Um, about, and it's things that we say that on the surface they sound true, but they're not true. And I found one. I've actually heard people say this. I've actually heard people say this. Now, just in quick defense, some of the th stupid things Christians say, I used to say those things a lot. And this is something, this statement I'm going to put up, don't amen it. Don't amen it because it's not true. I'm telling you it's not true. But I've heard this said, and maybe somebody's told this to you before, okay? This is it. In the presence of Christ, we have peace with no problems. Oh, my God. Do y'all know how easy my job would be if that were true? If that were true, I would have no problem telling other people about Jesus. But let me ask you a question. They were on the, whose idea was it to get 
into the boat and go to the other side? Whose idea was it? Jesus, right. The answer is always Jesus in church. It's always Jesus. So it was Jesus' idea to get in the boat. They got in the boat because they were following Jesus. And because they were following Jesus, they found themselves in the middle of a storm. Had they stayed on the shore, they wouldn't have experienced the storm. But they wound up in a storm because they were following Jesus. Do you know Jesus will take us through storms sometimes? He'll take us through them to teach us something, to make us stronger so we can see him more clearly. But if you're going through a storm, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It probably means that you're getting closer to Jesus and don't even realize it. Right? Now, here's this thing. This has been messing people up all day. Who sent the storm? Think about it for a second. Who sent the storm? Don't, it wasn't God. Because Jesus is God in the flesh, yes or no? Yes. So why would God oppose God? That'd be like Jim Carrey in the scene of Liar Liar where he beats himself up in the bathroom. I'm kicking my own. Okay, that scene, you remember that scene? If you walk out today and you see somebody fighting themselves, like hitting themselves in the face, you're not going to go, man, that's a really awesome person. I think I want to get to know them. You're like, I heard rumors about this church. We ain't coming back. Like that's, that's what you're going to walk away with. Who sent the storm? Could it be, could it, could it be the enemy? Could it be Satan? This is what some people say. Ah, oh, Satan can't. Satan's not that powerful. He don't have control over weather. Really, in the book of Job, when all of Job's kids get killed, who sent the storm that killed the kids? Satan, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Oh, if you're following Jesus, make no mistake, the enemy's going to try to send a storm to shut you down. He'll, he'll take you through what I call the storm cycle. And the storm, storm cycle goes like this. First, it starts with distraction. Now, I'm going to use a gym illustration and I've had people say, Pastor P, all your illustrations have to do with the gym or your dog. And that's pretty much my life, my gym and the dog. That's all I do. I have no life. I have a gym. I would go to the gym, and I play with my dog. So, so I'm in the gym not too long ago, and I saw a guy sitting on a machine that I wanted to use, by the way. Um, and he had his phone out. Good God, I've got four text messages. Anyway, he had his, he had his phone out, and he's doing this. <laughs> he's, la he's laughing. So I have two things going on. I have anger, and then I have FOMO because I'm like, what's he watching? I want to laugh. Like, what's he watching? What's he I mean, and, and he's sitting on this machine. He's distracted by whatever's on his phone. He's distracted. And we've all experienced that, right? Distraction, like you're driving down the road and somebody sends you a text message, and you're just going to, like, do an emoji answer. And you look up, and you're like, oh, wow, I'm in the middle of Walmart. Like, I'm literally in the middle of Walmart. <laughs> so he, he was distracted. He would because. When you go to the gym, you're supposed to go to the gym and work out, right? So he's distracted. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to distract us. And then after I get done working out, I go in the little locker room, and I'm kind of changing clothes and getting in some normal clothes and stuff like that. And I got my back turned to the scale, and I hear somebody step on the scale, and I hear them go, Mother. They, they finished it. I, I'm not. I mean, <laughs> even I have limits, if you can believe that. So I was like, wow, this is interesting. And I turn around, and it's, and, it's, and it's video guy from the machine. And he's on the scale. And he's obviously, at this point, discouraged because he doesn't like the results that he sees on the scale. 
So he steps off the scale and he takes off his shoes. He steps back on the scale. And I'm like, you could have just done the math. I mean, you just done the math. And he, and he says, son of a, and, and like he is on a roll at this point, right? And um, some of you are like, you should have invited him to the church. <laughs> He's actually a staff member. Anyway, so I, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. So, so he literally strips buck naked. And I'm like, oh, this is not necessary. <laughs> and, and then he steps on the scale again. And he, the, he goes from discouragement to, to doubt because he turns around and looks at me which, by the way, I don't want to have a conversation with a fully naked man in the locker room. That I do not know. And he goes, I don't think this place is working. And I did what every southern gentleman does when we don't know what to say. We all go, mm. That's what, that's what we do. So, ladies, if you ever ask your husband, hey, baby, how does this look? And he goes, mm. That means I don't know what to say right now. I don't know if it looks good. I don't, I don't, this is a mm. Mmm. Is this food good? Mmm. You don't know. So I said, mmm. But yeah, doubt. And then when he left, he was in full despair mode because he was, he was, he was saying, I, this just ain't working. Now, we can laugh at that, and I did, hysterically, but then I started thinking about it. That's exactly what the enemy does in our life with a storm. We're following Jesus, and all of a sudden, we see some lightning, we hear some thunder, and we begin, we get distracted. And see, he, he can't destroy us until he distracts us first. And then distraction calls discouragement. Wait a minute, I thought I was following Jesus. I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was getting my life on track. And discouragement leads to doubt, where we actually begin to wonder if Jesus even cares about us. Don't act like you had not been there. Which leads to despair. Why do I even go? Why do I even go to church? Why do I even break up in the Bible? Why do I even try? That's the cycle that the enemy wants to get us in. This is the cycle that Jesus wants to break. But before it gets better, it gets worse. Because imagine you're one of the disciples. It was Jesus' idea to get in the boat, go to the other side. All of a sudden, here comes the storm and the waves. And it was, what, the, what kind of storm was it? Anybody remember? It was a Fear storm, yeah, 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 yeah. But in verse 38, <laughs> Mark said Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Now, are you a little PO'd if you're one of the disciples? Yes. You're fighting for your life, and you're like, oh, 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 I am so glad you are comfortable, Mr. Jesus. <laughs> He's sleeping, sleeping. Now, some people in this room, if you're like me, I can sleep through anything. I sleep through anything. Some of you, you hear something three miles away. You're like, what was that? What was that? You're paranoid, right? But I can sleep through anything. I woke up one morning and checked my phone. I always check my phone in the morning because I cut all my alerts and everything off at night. And I've had people say, what if there was an emergency? And I'm like, if this world has such a big emergency that I'm needed, this world's screwed. All right? I, I'm, I'm, I got to get my sleep. I woke up. I had seven text messages. And all of them pretty much said, are you Okay. I thought, dear God, what have I done? So I, 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 didn't, I didn't read any of them. I opened up Google and Googled my name um, just because I wanted to see what I'd done. Um, and it was, I, I hadn't, well, I mean, the same old stuff. I just kind of read. I was like, oh, okay, there's nothing new. I went back and looked. There had been a serious thunderstorm that hit downtown Anderson, which is where I live, like tornado warnings, everything. Missed the whole thing. Slept right through it. And I was like, man, I was a little mad because I love a good thunderstorm. 
But, but that's what's crazy about this story is this fierce storm is going on that they wouldn't have been in had Jesus not said, let's go. That yes, we're going to do what nobody else does. They get in the middle of the storm and they're all freaking out. And this is, this is where they get. And if you've ever wondered, does Jesus care about me? And had people like get in your face and tell you, well, you're not a true Christian or you're not a true believer if you would ask a question like that. Hold on for a second. Because these guys were in the boat with Jesus. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care? You ever felt like that? Man, I have. In the middle of a storm, you don't see any way out of it. And the question in your mind is, Jesus, do you even, do you even care about me? Do you even care about my family? Do you even care about my friends? To, to allow this to happen? They, don't you care that we're going to drown? They are screaming at Jesus. And this is, what, this is what gets me. The wind did not wake him. And the waves did not wake him. And the water did not wake him. But when his followers started asking him to move, when his people got desperate for him to do something, Mark tells us Jesus woke up. Jesus didn't wake up for the wind, the waves, or the water, but he woke up because when people start crying out to him, desperate for him, that's when he moves. He might not move immediately, but he will move eventually in ways that would blow our minds if we could see it. Mark tells us he rebuked the wind. He rebuked the wind. Not the disciples, the wind. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. That's how much power he has over the storms in our life. He can speak to them and say, silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped and there was great calm. All because his people said, Jesus, I'm stuck. We're stuck. We need you to move. And if he did it for them, he'll do it for us. So here's my question that I've, we've been talking about all day. The area that I need for Jesus to move the most in my life is, and the reason I want to ask that question, or the reason I'm asking that question, is because no matter what you're going through, Jesus can handle it. I've had people say, I can't handle this. Exactly. You know, for some of us, it takes us getting to that point to understand we can't handle it, that we need help, that we need his help. We're going to go through storms. We can't make it. And even though we can't make it, Jesus can get us through the storm. So, so what is that area? I'm going to go ahead and tell you, and I've written this down all day. The area I need for Jesus to move the most in my life is, as the pastor of this church, our next building 
And the reason I need for Jesus to move in our next building is because I've been doing ministry for 30 years. I've done building projects. I've done construction projects. And the one that we're trying to do right now has been the most difficult one I've ever faced in my life. We face roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And this is not God telling us no. I think it's the enemy trying to distract and discourage us. And so all day long, I've been writing this on a card and just saying, you know what? I can't do it, but Jesus can. I'm going to trust that Jesus can handle that storm. And when I give it to him, I'm not taking it back. When I walk out of this building tonight, that stays in the Jesus can. So what is it that you need for Jesus to do in your life? What is that area that you need Jesus to work in? What is that area that you need Jesus to move in? Because I want you to write it down on your card right now. I just want you to write it down. I want you to write that thing, that that financial miracle, that physical miracle, the anxiety, the worry. What is that area? What are those areas that you need for Jesus to move? And the invitation is going to be a little bit different this evening. We're going to pray in just a second. And when I say amen, I want you to walk forward with that card and put it in the Jesus can. There are four along the front of the stage, one at that far end, one right there, there's one right here and there's one at this far end right here. I want, you to, I want you to drop it in there and let it go saying, Jesus, I can't handle this, but you can. This is us crying out saying, Jesus, this is a fierce storm and I'm trusting you to step in and speak to the wind and speak to the waves and calm this thing. I can't, but Jesus can. So with that, can we stand for prayer? Father, I pray right now over these next few moments as we find the courage, Jesus, to ask you to move, to ask you to do something great in our lives, that we would trust, we would trust you, Jesus, and know that you can. You can heal. You can make a difference. You can meet us where we are.